cliffcentral.com. All right. Welcome and good morning. It is cliffcentral.com on a uh, Thursday morning. We're almost at the weekend. We're starting to warm up. It's uh, almost spring. You can feel it in the air. We're very excited in the burning platform. Today is uh, going to, as usual, cover all the things that are in the news, the stuff that you want to talk about. We'll talk about politics. We'll talk about the political parties. We'll talk about what's happening in Kempton Park at the moment. And we're going to introduce your ge- our guest to you in just a moment. But first, uh, he's, he's just made a... Kathleen walks in he, here he like Stevie Wonder. Yeah, walking with his sunglasses on and he's dressed to the nines. What, what, what are you going... Are you also going to Kempton Park to start your political party? Or have you, are you is, over that? What are all these pins on what's, here? What's going on? What's going on? How's it? How's it, Canton? What are nice all these pins, Canton? Yeah, what are you wearing there? You look like you're advertising stuff. What is it's that? It's my usual jeans and t-shirt. No, but what's on the jacket? What are those what pins? What are the pins on the jacket? That's rotary. Oh. oh, rotary. Yeah, so this is the okay. Rotary AIDS pin. Okay. Um, this is a Rotary sponsor pin because I've sponsored young up-and-coming people to get into Rotary. Yes. And this is a Paul Harris Fellowship. Oh, which Ooh. is a recognition from my fellow Rotarians for public service above and beyond. Look at you, above and beyond the call okay. of duty. And now you're putting your jacket back on. Yeah, so I can look good on camera for you. Okay, guys, well, you yeah. look you look good anyway. We weren't we weren't complaining. In <laughs> we fact, weren't complaining. You we can put, were, the, like, put the put the sunglasses the back on, on as well. Yeah, we may as well do this properly. People must see this. There you go. Look Listen, at, uh, look at uh, this man. Walks in here like Stevie Wonder, tracking and glasses, dark glasses. Got a good look going there. <laughs> I want to introduce you to our guest for this morning. Uh, and we've never had this party on the show, and it's our fault. He is Dr. Corne Mulder of the Freights Front Plus. And um, it's a party that has made, uh, in, a, in a clip that I saw just the other day, you made the most sense out of any politician I've heard in South Africa for. I don't know, about four or five years. Because you just, you were totally like not into all of this nonsense, emotional rubbish and rhetoric. You were like, you want to beat the ANC? And you, you, you just explained how you do it. This is how you do it. This is what you have to do. All these parties who are constantly bickering within and without, trying to make alliances before they even know what the voters want. I mean, you made sense. And I suddenly thought, We've got to have you in here. So it's a great Are you going to play the clip? I don't have the clip okay. here, and it's long. It's, it's long. Okay. I, I, we could put it on the website and let people look at it there. The reason I don't want to play that is because I actually want to get Grenade to explain speak. it. Exactly, in his own words. So first of all, uh, welcome and thank you for coming. It's very, very nice to have you here. It's thank okay. you very much. It's, a, it's really an honor and a pleasure to be here and a privilege. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. And, and how is the Freight from Plus doing? I think we're doing very well. Um, we are one of the more established parties. Uh, we came into being just in the run-up to the 1994 election. That's right. And in the last election, we ended First up leader was... Constant Fulhun. Constant Fulhun, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. So we ended up in the last election as the fifth largest party in parliament out of 14. And we've got a constant track record in that sense, that we are there to make a difference. We are not there to play cheap politics and... Um, at the moment, with all the developments with regard to coalitions and the things, how they play out, the party is doing very well. We get support across the board at the moment. Well, in the last election, you went up considerably. Yes, we did. In terms of your representation. Exactly, we did. And also in the local government election, we did very well. And that I'm, I, I'm really very optimistic in terms of where we stand at the moment. Um, I think there are going to be interesting things happening. Now, Dr. Mulder, you are the chief whip of the Freight Front Plus. You are not the, the, the leader of the party. That's correct, yes. Um, 
of course, from the from the rest of the party, we see a lot of, of what you do in Parliament, you in particular yes. in Parliament. Um, we could get into, Pumi and I were absolutely <coughs> perplexed this morning by how smoking legislation is again a priority, but some bill about electricity, which is an emergency situation, that's been delayed. Uh, yes. It's amazing to me what and, hey, Parliament, you're still in that rubbish building <laughs> that isn't Parliament. You're in the Cape Town City Hall still. We, we use the Cape Town City Hall when we've got joint sittings, which are the larger ones, opening of Parliament mm. or discussing the budget. Was your office burnt down? Luckily not. Okay. Luckily not. We, my offices are just <laughs> yes. next to the President's offices at Tonehouse, which is part of that oh, complex, nice. that building. Okay. So we were not ravaged by the fire, but it's an abnormal situation. You know, Parliament is not normal at the moment because first we yeah. had the two years of COVID, which made it very difficult. Mm-hmm. And then when we were ready at last to go back, the building burned down, which is absurd. So at the moment, we've, we use the Good Hope Chamber, which is one of the smaller chambers. It can take about 70, 80 people. Okay. And most sittings are basically hybrid sittings on YouTube <coughs> uh, and channels and then obviously in Parliament itself. All right. So we, we tried this with the EFF the other day, and, and I don't know how well it went. but Not at all. Okay. It didn't go well at all. But what does the phrase Front Plus stand for? Like, what are, your, what are your basic principles? Why would someone vote for you? Let me try to put it this way. Um, if I have to speak in racial terms, I'm not European. I'm an African. I'm a white African if I have to speak in racial terms. And already the EFF are protesting outside <laughs> already after what you just no, said. No, but the reason is this. We are committed to this country like all other South Africans. We have, okay. I don't have a second passport, a different attitude to go somewhere else. We are here to stay and to make a difference. But what we are saying is basically this, that we need to really recognize the true diversity of South Africa. And that's the beautiful part of South Africa. We are a very diverse society. Mm-hmm. But let's give recognition to that diversity and bring the best out of all the different components of the South African society. So what we are saying is this. It is true that democracy in the last analysis nowadays is not merely a question of one person, one vote. It's also a question of how do you look after your minorities in your country so Mm. that everyone feels accommodated, that everyone feels they can make a contribution. And if you do that, then you can take South Africa forward. So our approach has been right from the beginning. We want to be part of the solution. We don't want to be part of the problem. And we are playing that constructive role. Also now in coalitions, basically. Many people see the Freedom Front Plus as the glue that keep things together, that see the, pro- the process going forward, and we are playing that role at the moment as well. You, you certainly don't seem to be playing the destructive role that so often is played by either the DA or any of its other coalition partners. I mean, I very seldom, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Pumi and, and Kanthan, but you don't hear about like the Freitsfront having a tantrum and storming out of a sitting or deciding no. to leave on a whim because they didn't no. get X position or Y position. No. no. You know, or like you're the adults in the room a lot of the time. Well, the fact <laughs> of the matter is politics is a different kind of fighting. But we, in, in politics, you fight with words. You fight with ideas. And you can't do that if you storm out or you attack, have a tantrum or anything like that. You have to be responsible in that instance. Um, luckily, our leadership, myself, Dr. Grunewald, who's the, the national leader, are both colleagues who have been there for quite a while. My, in, my, in my own position, uh, I've, I've been there with seven different presidents in South Africa. When I started sure. my career, P.W. Boeta was still the prime minister and the president. Wow. And I, I, well, I had five years before 1994 and now basically 30 years after that. And you're still in better condition than Joe Biden or Donald Trump. <laughs> All right, I'm so, right. so I'm going right. to let, because I know Canton and Pumi got lots of questions for sure. you. And, and I really am, it's remiss of us to not have had uh, the phrase from Plus here earlier, because you, you are a growing party. Yes, we are. Uh, there are only a few 
parties that are growing Correct. in this country. And you have quite a lot to say, and and often it just gets pushed to the sidelines. Do you think that the media don't have a lot of time for you? Well, I think sometimes some of the media obviously goes for sensation. So it makes good headlines if the EFF disrupts parliament or yeah. storms out. And we try to be the reasonable voice. You guys of don't swing your underpants around. No, we don't. Or, no, we don't. So you don't get as much press. No, well, but that, but <laughs> I guess that plays a role as well. Personally, um, I wouldn't like to see Dr. Kronovals. <laughs> think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we are out there all the time. At the moment, as I've said, the party is making huge inroads. And the interesting thing is this: the support at the moment, and I think it may be part of the position that I took in that the, the speech that. You basically refer to. Mm. We get support from across the spectrum, from across the com- or different communities, obviously. We say, but let's listen to what these guys are saying, and maybe that's the answer. Yeah, uh, the other thing, the, the reason it grabbed my attention in particular was because you weren't addressing just your supporters. No. You were actually talking to people who support other parties. Exactly. Saying to them, listen, exactly. if you guys want to be taken seriously, start thinking like serious people. You know, yes. Gareth, as someone who hasn't actually heard this clip, and, you know, we've been talking around it. And so, Connor, do you mind? Do you mind just giving us a good point. executive summary of what we're talking about? Yes, yeah. let, let me try to explain. It was in Santon at the State of the Nation uh, debate that was organized and all the parties were invited. I've been in a position to play a very important role in that sense within the coalition negotiation process. After the local government elections, I have been studying politics. Obviously, that's my life. I've been studying coalitions as well. And when the results came after the local government election in uh, 21, it was quite clear we've reached the moment of coalitions. Luckily, I'm not a leader of any political party. I'm just a senior guy there that has been there for 35 years. So what I did then was I extended an invitation to all the leaders of the different parties and said, let's get together and see what we can do. And they came. And in that situation, I ended up as the chairperson of the negotiation technical committee dealing with coalitions. So... The answer is, if we want, let me step one step back. I am of the view that we cannot afford a further five years of the current government. I think they need to go. But the question is, how do you achieve that? And the silver bullet, the silver bullet that can make that possible is coalition. Coalitions are the answer to trying to do that because no single party is going to obtain 50% on their own in the next election. But if you combine in a coalition, different parties bring their support to one coalition, you can do that. So the point that I made at that speech was, are we serious in the attempt to remove the ANC from power? And if we are serious, there's only one way to do that, and that's the right way. And my argument was the following. First of all, I think we are underestimating the ANC. The ANC is not going to voluntarily just let go of political power. We've seen that. I've seen that. I've experienced that. In these metros that we put together, the ANC has done everything legally and almost illegally to destabilize. They're doing it at this very moment. Look in Swanee at the moment with strikes, etc. So they're not going to be an easy situation just giving up on power. So we need to be serious. And if we are serious, there's one way to do that. And my argument was the following. The political parties themselves will not succeed in achieving that majority. Unless we get civil society involved across the spectrum of civil society, and I use the example, I say before 1994 there was an organization called the UDF, I think people remember that, and I say what we need is a new UDF where civil society gets involved across the spectrum. I'm talking about the churches, the business community, the trade unions, individuals, academics, every sector of society should get involved. What is the aim? First of all, if you can't vote it means nothing. You can write a letter to the press and so be it. 
people need to get out there and register so that they can go out and vote. That broad church should come together with a, resp- a respectable leadership and they should go and frame, let's say, 10 basic principles. What principles? Principles that you find internationally, best practice of countries that are successful. What do they do? Go and frame those principles. And then everybody gets involved. <coughs> that entity should have a name. It should have a logo. Then political parties that associate with that kind of approach can become part of that. And I foresee that parties will go into the election. They will have their own posters. But on that poster of the Freedom Front Plus, of the DA, they should also have the logo of this broad church, the civil society organization. Then people can go out and still vote for the party of their choice. But they know that their party will be part of a new group, a new coalition that come together, that makes a pact and promises to the electorate that we will govern in terms of those agreed upon principles. So it's no longer a question of people that could sit back and say, well, this is interesting. I hope you are successful. There's no you. It's us. Everyone needs to get involved. If we don't do that, if there's not a broad swell on grassroots level, the ANC will still win the next election. They will still be in power for the next five years. In order to do that, it should not be the political parties that take the initiative. It should be civil society. The political parties themselves, it's important what's happening in Kempton Park at the moment, and I'm involved in that. Let's get the political house a little bit more in order and try to find some direction. But civil society needs to take the lead. And I can assure you there's a process going on at the moment already behind the scenes. And I expect that it will be launched at the end of September with a launch in Johannesburg and a launch in Cape Town. So that process has been busy. I've been interacting with some people very much involved in getting that going behind the scenes. But to succeed in this, political parties need to get over themselves and understand it's not about them. Political leaders need to get over themselves. It's not about them. It's about the electorate. And if we do it in that fashion, we can change this country and the course of this country for the better in the correct direction. And I think it's, it's absolute time that we do that. So that's, that's a summary. It was about a 12, 12 minutes. No, 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 no. It's, it's about a 12 minutes. I'm, I'm chuckling about this 10 principles things. It, it yes. sounds vaguely familiar. There was a party that did that in 2019. I wonder who that was. Uh, you. <laughs> you. No, right. but that's excellent. And, and you know, I'm, I'm chuckling in, in a very positive sure. way because sure. the entire idea around what the 10 of us at the time were trying to do was exactly that. Yes. To get people to coalesce around what is the stuff that we can actually agree upon. Exactly. And if we can all agree upon this, exactly. then let's take that as a starting Even point. Even yesterday sure. in an interview I did, which has gone all over the place, one of the big issues that came up is that we don't have a vision for yes. what the best case scenario for this country is. We're just surviving from moment to moment, trying to band-aid all our biggest problems. Sure. There's no vision. Yes. So if, if this thing is a vision, I think people will flock to it just because we're so desperate for a vision. Well, what I said in the speech, and I concluded with that to say, our people are desperate out there. They need hope. They need hope. They've given up. They think it can't be done. They think it, we, we can't Pumi, succeed Pumi, with Pumi, it. Pumi always brings up the fact that the biggest question here, and I'm, I hope I'm not stealing this thunder from you, the biggest – all these people who don't vote – Correct. All these people are apathetic, who's, who've given up on the political process exactly. in its entirety. Right, Pums? Mm. Sure. And, and so just listening to, to what we've seen, whether it's on social media or any of the, the small videos and the stuff that you do put out at the Freedom Front Plus, for me, I think, and this is the opportunity for people who are listening, just to give us 
your top three priorities. So of those 10 things that, mm-hmm. you know, you are in senior sure. management yes. in the Freedom Front. Yes. So you have a, a clear understanding of what the Freedom Front stands for. Sure. And what would those top three things be, which I assume are the things you would fight for in a broad coalition? Absolutely. The first one is economic growth. Economic, unless we can get the economy to grow, we will not succeed in dealing with South Africa's problems. We need to get the economy growing. Doesn't it sound a bit obvious? Because who's against economic growth? No, but the question is, how do you achieve that? How do you achieve that? In other words, you need to go and see what are the right way to do that. And part of that is we need much less government we need small government to allow civil society and public and the, the private sector to get ahead and to do what they need to do. You, I've sat in many com- committees in parliament mm. when a department would come and do some uh, feedback. Then the ANC would ask the department, civil, uh, the state departments, how many new jobs have you created? Civil service can't create jobs. They are just redistributing pay. Yeah, tax money. It's tax money. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so we need to get. We need to need to have the right recipe to create jobs and to get the economy growing. And there are experiences out there. The second one is, we need to get crime under control. In basically, to make South Africans feel safe again, so that people can go out there, create stability and law and order in South Africa. You need to do that. Zero tolerance in terms of crime. We need to get that going. Corruption. South Africa is a laughing stock of the world at the moment because of how corrupt things have changed under this ANC government in the last 30 years. And it goes right to the top throughout. We need to deal with that kind of thing as well. We need to respect the diversity of society. There are wonderful, beautiful people in all of our communities out there. We know that. There's a small group of radicals. Let me not say what I call them, but it reminds me of red teletubbies perhaps. A small group (laughs) of people walking around striking matches and throwing them into the grass. And they want to set this country alight because they believe that out of that chaos, their revolution will rise. We need to pull a cordon sanitaire around that. Don't give it any energy because that is the problem. It's a small group. So we think we can do this. We, and we absolutely we can. Right, but Courtney, no these are not controversial. No, they are not. So you, you've got economic growth. I think everybody yes. in the country would like to see that. Yes, well, remember the question that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Gareth and Pumi, when we were talking about the extent to which politicians understand how the economy works. They don't. They don't. Right. And and that's a fundamental right. problem that that we have to deal with because – and this goes to the DA as yeah. well. If you ask the DA, how does the economy work? They, they actually don't have a clue. They don't know. They do understand governance and, you know yes. – by, by all means, let's give credit administration. to the administration. Administration, and you know they do understand how to deregulate. Well, to some extent, it's like the know. ANC understand cadre deployment. Yeah, sure. exactly. But at, at the same time, you know, according at one level, yes, all of the things you say, I agree with a hundred percent. What people are not understanding is the fact that we have had this extractive economy in the country for more than a hundred years. Yes, but the minerals under the ground are running out. Correct. And the question that I'm not seeing politicians addressing is what is the plan for when all of those resources actually run out? Now, we see, for example, that the Saudis are planning for a time when they no longer have oil revenue. And they are investing heavily in all sorts of in, – in fintech. They're inventing uh, – they're uh, spending massive amounts of money in smart cities that are going to be able to sustain themselves. And – they're investing heavily in education. 
all of these types of things that we're not even talking about. Correct. They, they, they're not on the horizon. So we've got yeah. – uh, yeah, so exactly. – Exactly. Wh- what is the plan for the future, though? Exactly. Because, you know, on one level, yes, we fix mm-hmm. by, you know, addressing all of the shortcomings that we currently have. Sure. Now, if, if you talk about based international practice, those things that you've mentioned now, exactly what we are talking about. We need to send South Africa in a different direction. Just, just imagine, and I've always argued and I said South Africa should be the locomotive that pulls the train of Africa. We should set the example. We've got all the potential here. We've got the most wonderful human capital. We've got all the resources, etc. But we need to plan in terms of looking to the future, as you correctly point out. One day the minerals will run out. In the meantime, we should stop just ex- exporting them. We should start with beneficiation and those kind of things and then start to move in a smart economy which can be done. But in order to do that, the current government has proven themselves that they are incapable of doing that and they have been destroying this country for many, many years. And if we do this the right way, just imagine the potential that we can unleash and the hope that people are absolutely screaming out there for a positive approach to do that. Talk to us, please, about Kempton Park, because this is something that we've been hearing a lot about. Is is it being rebranded from Moonshot Pact? Yes. (laughs) What are they calling it now, the National Convention? No. Um, I can, yeah, well, what, what is it? it? It's now called the Multi-Party Charter for South Africa. And that's, that's much better. Let me just try to explain that. I've been involved with this process right from the beginning in terms of after local government elections. The problem was that in April of this year, the DA had the Federal Congress. And then they launched the idea of the Moonshot Pact. I had a problem with that because it was a one-sided initiative of one party, not consulted with anybody else, and that was a huge problem. And parties don't want to be seen that they are being co-opted or that they are supporting one-party initiative. So we had to make that more legitimate from my perspective. So luckily yesterday, there's no more moon, there's no more shot, and there's no more pact. It's gone. We are now expressing it in the right fashion. It says what it's about. It's about a multi-party. Because we've got a multi-party democracy, we'll always have that because of the electoral system. Mm. It's a charter for South Africa. And just imagine, now we need to go and sit down and we can prepare a charter for economic growth. We can prepare a charter for law and order, for stability, for all the things that are there that are needs to be addressed. So how do your, sorry, Pums, how do your priorities that you <coughs> outline for us, your top three things, do those align well with what the rest of the parties in, yes, in this? Yes, if I, if, I, if I may, yesterday we succeeded, after we've changed the name and we buried the moon, the shot and the pact, <laughs> we succeeded in, in formulating a vision for this group of okay, political parties. Okay, let's hear this. That vision says right, the Pums, following. This is what you, you let, and I Let me give you the vision that right, we agreed upon yesterday. Go. It says a new government to build a just, inclusive, and prosperous South Africa based on opportunity, freedom, and security for all its citizens. It's a lot of things to be said. It's a lot of things in terms of that we need to address. But Please read it again. Let me try again. Okay. It says, a new government to build a just, inclusive, prosperous South Africa. How do we achieve that? Based on opportunity, freedom, and security for whom? all its citizens. But that sounds exactly like the Constitution. Well, that's not a bad place to start. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad place to start because the con- you see the problem is this. I was at Codessa 30 years ago 
And the problem was the constitution. In Kempton Park. Yes, in Kempton Park. I was in the same building. Are you getting deja vu? (laughs) Exactly. I was there yesterday. And if you you go into that thing, there's a huge exhibition of pictures of those times. That was 30 years ago. And it was a huge interesting process, but that's a different one. The problem was the constitution was framed in such a manner that he who gets into power can use the constitution to achieve the wrong things or the right things. And the ANC have been able to do that. For example, there are many provisions in the Bill of Rights <coughs> that are broadly framed. This, 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 ever, if this is possible, but. So the ANC, who has been in power alone for all these years, took wrong decisions. And the problem was this. The Constitution makes provision for a, a proportional system of election, which is good. We've had an abnormal democracy now for 30 years. Why do I say that? It's unheard of in a proportional system that one party achieves more than 50% by themselves. And there's a reason for having had that, because of the history, because of the ANC, the liberation movement, etc. But that is now coming to an end. But the reason we had the proportional representation was precisely so parties like your own, which which yes. represent minority voices, sure. are also given representation. Exactly. And it's not just a 50 plus one. So the, the yes. ANC has not been in power alone. Correct. All the voices have been there. And my question, though, is... Why is it that you think these kinds of coalitions will be more effective than what is supposed to be happening in Parliament, where, as a whip, you know that one of the things that you do is whipping the votes for all of these bills that are being put there. So why will this be different from what has been supposed to be happening and not happening very effectively? Yes, I think why it will be different is this. We are elected 400 members, individual members in Parliament. But members don't act individually. They act within the frames of party yeah. discipline. So being having had the majority for so long, the ANC, ANC members who disagree were basically m- worked out of the system. And the ANC used their majority to enforce their thing. We've been succeeded from an opposition point of view over many years to have, as correctly point out, to have influence, to steer to a certain extent, but you're doing that without political power. You have to do that by convincing people and to try to do that. If you now have a government and you can form a coalition of political parties that are bound by a group of principles that we've agreed with a group of priorities that we've agreed, then that is the agreement that we've got with the electorate to support that. They will keep us accountable to do exactly that. And we can take that further. And I think we've all had the experience of having seen what has happened in South Africa for the last 30 years that maybe that was not such a good idea, many of the things that happened. We may have a second chance now to do it the right way. And I I, I did have deja vu yesterday when I was at the World Trade Center because Mm. there were so many expectations. Do you remember the Rainbow Nation? We all take hands and move forward. What happened to that? Let's let's use the opportunity to do a correction, a course correction, and steer the country where we need to go. We can do that. How confident are you that this isn't going to break down like these things often do and you were talking about coalitions and that was what yes in your speech got my attention in the first place there are places in the world where coalitions have worked but by and large they're extremely fractious they break on the most tedious and tenuous of terms um someone doesn't get a post in a municipal executive and suddenly that party's out yes you're right. We, we or are, they cross a, the floor. Or they cross the floor. We're a very young democracy. Sure. And therefore, we're infantile in some respects. Sure. No. 
when we started the negotiations of the local government elections, the are you shambocking people into place? I mean, you were the chief whip of your party, but <laughs> yes, but yes. I, I mean, like yes. there, there isn't. It seems to us ordinary citizens that the politicians are not very disciplined people. Yes, no, there's there's not one example where the Freedom Front Plus did not stick to the agreements that we've signed, or that we became a problem in a coalition, not once. And we are involved in many coalitions. For example, I'm responsible in the Western Cape also as a party leader in the Western Cape. In the Western Cape, for example, we've got 25 local governments. In 11 of those, the Freedom Front Plus is in coalition with the Democratic Alliance. You won't hear of those. Why? Because they are stable, we are co-governing, and we are making a difference to the lives of people. So. The whole approach now is to say, this Kevel, is not Kevel, about- don't say that because then you're going to get people immigrating, semigrating to the, the Western Cape and I don't, making I, it- I, I, I don't want to burst your bubble. They are doing that at <laughs> no, this very moment. No, I know. They are doing that. No, the fact of the matter is when we started this process, we said this is not about positions. That comes at the end. You cannot form a coalition unless you get people on the same page. In other words, if you look at the different political parties, each one of them do have their own unique things that make them different. And that's a good thing. For example, let's take the ACDP, for example. They practice politics in a certain way. Freedom Front Plus, we've got certain things that are important to us, and we focus very much also on the rights of minorities as a group, different minorities. Because that's your voters. Yep, that's, those are our it's voters. Your job if, that's if, our if, job. They wouldn't vote for you if you didn't. Exactly. The IFP. The IFP are a, a national party. They are the fourth largest party in South Africa, but we all know they are very dominant in KZN, and I predict that they are likely to become the government again in KZN after the next election. Each one of these parties have those unique things, but we do find in terms of the principles that we agreed, certain things that we have in common, and we focus around those things. You can only bring parties into a coalition that agree on that kind of principled base from where you can then operate and allow the parties to have their unique things out there and everyone will get their votes. Combined, you bring the votes into a coalition situation. And then you build the, co- the coalition around those principles and those values. And obviously, there will be all kinds of codes of ethics, etc., etc. The interesting thing is this. There's a lot of pressure being applied by the electorate on political parties. Research shows political parties at the moment that are being seen to be bickering and fighting, their support is going down. Mm-hmm. Political parties that are acting like the adults in the room, their support is going up. The electorate is quite clear. They don't want to see that. They don't want to do that. And the politicians, if they are going to be that fight and, and, and make these things difficult, will be punished at the polls. I've got no doubt about that. People, and that's why I'm saying this, and I'm in a unique position. Yes, I'm the chief of the Freedom Front Plus. That is my party. But when I do these things, I put on a different hat, a coalition hat in the interest of the bigger South Africa. We need to do that. And people and political parties need to get over themselves. There's a bigger reality out there. Because actually, we do, ordinary citizens don't care about the parties as much as we care about seeing this country start to pull itself out of the No, lives. we just want we, to see we stuff actually, actually work. Yeah. We, we actually don't even care about pulling this country as a whole. People just want to get on with their lives. People want exactly. to work. People yeah. want to be exactly. safe. People want to be in an, they want electricity. Jobs. They want to exactly. be in an environment exactly. that is conducive that for is, them to live their best lives. And that should be the role of a government that should create the, cre- the conditions for that to happen. They must just facilitate it. Exactly. And no, that, we, don't, exactly. we don't need to know their no. ideology or any no, of that nonsense. No. And that means you need a vet, right. very much smaller government. So, so Courtney, are, are there people you won't sit at the table with? Yes. Okay, yes. So this is important because everybody thinks that the, the way to go about this is to say, oh, well, we're open to everybody. No. Who are those people you won't sit with and why? 
I know that the Democratic Alliance currently, and that's part of the strategy, they say the EFF is enemy number one. I say, no, it's not correct. Enemy number one remains the ANC. Why? The EFF, the EFF didn't govern anywhere in South Africa in the last 30 years. The ANC did. South Africa is in this crisis because of ANC policy, ANC corruption, ANC projects, etc. Enemy number one remains the ANC. <clears throat> and as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> I'm convinced that we cannot turn South Africa around as long as the ANC is involved in government. My view is the ANC needs to be removed from government in totality. So the ANC is, and, and we, luckily we agreed on that yesterday as well, we've invited all political parties, all parties that agree to that vision, that agree to the agreed principles and the priorities. And so the as pro Pumi said, the constitution basically. So any party, exactly. any party that won't well, come to this arrangement sure. is probably not pro-constitution either. Well, well and, and then there's a qualification. And the aim is to remove the ANC from government and to keep the EFF out of government. Oh, okay. So the focus on those two parties, that's the problem. The ANC needs to get out of government and we need to prevent South Africa from having the EFF coming into any government. And what do they say about that? Because you speak to them, you sit with them in parliament. Well, the <laughs> Are they very angry with you? Are they, are they disappointed to not be included? Are they you, you cannot include the EFF under no circumstances. If you look at their policy positions, if you look at the way that they approach politics, they are in this wonderful, uh, etheric idea of revolution. It's so romantic, it's so beautiful, it's so magical. <laughs> Just a revolution. I'm not interested in that. It's, it's actually tragic. Um, they are about 50 years behind the times of what's happening in the world. Uh, idealizing revolution. And um, the, well, well, it's, it's, it's quite nice. Uh, all their speakers in parliament, when they start with any speech, they start, they first need to greet the commander in chief. And then they send some, uh, some uh, greetings to the, for, uh, the ground forces. I can't behave then when I will ask them, what about your air forces and your sea forces, which they don't have, obviously. But no, the EFF, as I've said, is not part of the problem, uh, not a part of the solution, my apology. They are part of the problem. And they are, <laughs> they've got this wonderful but idea. But you don't take them as seriously as you take the ANC. No, I don't. I yeah. don't. I don't. Um, they had their rally. They are a, a, a problem in that instance. Some people would say, <gasps> big, big rally, impressive, yeah. impressive show of force. Yeah, hundred thousand. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what will happen when you provide free buses and free food to exactly. people. Give credit where it's due. Mm. A, a lot of parties struggle to make exactly. any impact exactly. for that week. EFF got all the attention they wanted. No, that's exactly no, right. And they no, deserved it. Right. No argument there whatsoever. But I think at the same time, we must avoid a scenario where we're putting disproportionate importance yes. to something like that. It, it's like people who get uptight about outrage on Twitter. Yes. Twitter is not representative Correct. of South Africa. Correct. And we must use exactly the Correct. same model. Can I, can I put that 100,000? It was not 100, but let's say that's 100,000 in perspective. Sure. 100,000 elects two members of parliament, there are 400. It elects two members to parliament, there are 400. So, Told you. So, <laughs> so no, the Pumi, fact is, Pumi did, she brought that up the other day. So, so uh, you, 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 it, it's about perceptions, but you must also remember the this magnificent failure of the EFF when they tried to bring the country to a halt on the 1st of May with a workers' day. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> Look, and I'm also asking myself, what is the difference in this two days that you have now of this national convention from what was discussed by, and you were part of it, that yes. conversation too, in Cape Town 
on the 11th. Like, Let me explain that. There's a huge difference. There's a massive difference. Let me. I was amazed. It was also good to be there. Suddenly at the conference in Cape Town at the University of Western Cape, that is an ANC initiative. It comes from the deputy president. And it was fascinating to listen to the deputy president. For the last 30 years, the ANC was very happy to govern all by themselves, ignore any advice, and they knew what needs to be done. And suddenly it seems that the polls or something indicate that they may lose power. So suddenly at the University of Western Cape, we've got a very responsible ANC that says, you know, from now on, let's all govern together. <laughs> and let's try to find consensus about things and everybody gets involved. Why? Because the ANC realizes the game is up. The fact that they will no longer be in the position to govern alone. Now they want to try and change the rules of the game so that the ANC at least be part of government. Always be very sus uh, uh, suspicious when a government wants to change the electoral system <laughs> or they want to change the rules of the governing processes. Why? They will never do that to their own detriment, on the contrary. So this is an attempt by the ANC to stick into power. Um, we are not interested in that. Not at but, all. So, so why be there? Why have the conversation? Why be in the room to have the conversation with them yes. if you are clear that you don't want to work with them? One, it's a technical thing. We were invited not by the ANC. We were invited by the deputy president of South Africa. So we went there. We had to go and listen. Civil society was there. Political parties was there. And it's good to know the thinking within the ruling party, etc. And now we know. I know exactly where we stand. Uh, we knew. Now we know what we I, need to I, deal I with. I have a question here from Darren in the comments. And he, he makes a good point just from a strategic point of view. I want to know what will your plan be when the ANC and EFF join a in, a, in a coalition? And someone else says just after that, Just Frogo says, by isolating the EFF, you make them friends of the ANC, and that could be a majority of its own. Yes and no. <clears throat> I'm not convinced that the ANC and the EFF will go together. They hate each other. Wow. On, a, no, on a daily basis, you remember now, the EFF is going full out for the ANC. There's a, there's a difference of opinion there. I don't believe that the ANC and the EFF are that close to one another, not at all. But, but the challenge is this, and that's what I've said in that, meeting, uh, that discussion, uh, the Sonar debate thing. If we succeed in doing this broad UDF, new UDF church, if we get everybody, and remember if you talk about people that opted out of the system, 13 million people who are registered didn't vote in the last election. 13 million there's another 14 million who have not even registered. We're talking about 27 million South Africans who need to get into the system. Come, it's your future. Get involved. My challenge is this broad church with this charter of political parties, we need to be so successful that the ANC and the EFF combined needs to be pushed below 50%. That they, even if they try, they cannot govern. It can be done. Some of the polls indicate that the ANC have lost a massive amount of support. I think the EFF is overrated in terms of their support, and I think their support is also declining. If you look at by-election results at the moment, EFF is not doing well at all. So the challenge is, it is a risk that okay. the ANC and the EFF gets together. may happen. Um, we don't know how it's going to play out, but it's in the hands of the electorate. If we can get, and part of the strategy is, I've indicated in my speech, there are four groups that we need to focus on. Four oh, yeah. groups. This is good. The one group are the young people, 18 to 35. Young people. I've got four children in that group who have opted out of the system. They don't register. They don't care. They don't vote. They're busy with their daily lives. I understand that. I need you to get involved on one day, polling day. Go out and make a cross. So that's the first group, 18 to 35. There's another group, older people my age, many of them Afrikaans and white, 
who have also opted out of the system. We don't want to be participating. We need to get older people involved as well. The third group, I believe, and surveys indicate that, there's approximately one-third of ANC supporters who are disillusioned with their own party. In the last election, they opted not to vote at all. We now need to get them to vote for an alternative, but we must be realistic. They're not going to vote for some of the established parties. They're not going to vote for the Freedom Front Plus. They're not going to vote for the Democratic Alliance. But there are new kids on the block. Raizm Zanzi is there. Uh, Musi Maimani, the Bosa. There are other groups as well. We need to focus on that group and assure them that what we are doing with is going forward, not going backwards. And the last group, of course, is our South Africans abroad, expats. We need to focus on those four groups. Mm-hmm. And if we get people to register and get involved, we need and we can push the ANC and the EFF even combined below 50%. It can be done. So my marketing mind says if you are sitting with 13 million people who are already registered but haven't come to vote, yes, and considering that the ANC won... With 11 million yes. votes, you've got more people outside exactly. than inside the system. Exactly. Why then, as the Freedom Front Plus, are you not hunting there to yeah. say, you, as the Freedom Front Plus, convince these 12 million, 27 million people to vote for you? Why do you not think that you can do that? I think we can. I really think we can. So why do you need the coalition? Well, we ne- well some of that 13 million will be convinced to come to the Freedom Front Plus. But some of them will feel more inclined perhaps to vote for the IFP and we must make it possible. Some may be more inclined uh, to vote for the ACDP for other reasons or for the DA or for Rizem Zanzi. So it's a broad process out there to get people there. But obviously as a political party, we all go for that market obviously and get other people <coughs> to get involved and I think it, it's possible. Definitely. There's a couple of things that I want sure. to toss in, in your direction. So the one... Uh, so I'm just going to outline them and sure. I'd just like you to sure. tell me your take on it. So one of the things that I'm fairly convinced of is that people will vote for something. They mm-hmm. won't vote Absolutely. against something. Yes. And the difficulty that we have right yes. now is in terms of this broad church that we're talking about, <laughs> we actually don't have the concept of what is the thing they are voting for yes. as opposed to actually getting yes. uh, the ANC out of office. Correct. The second thing is that I agree that, yes, there's going to be a lower turnout for the ANC. But I'm also making the case that there's going to be a lower turnout across the board. And so when you have a situation where there is that overall lower turnout, in spite of the decline of support for the ANC, if you just drill down into the logic, it means that they will still manage to achieve 50% yes. uh, threshold with the EFF in spite of the fact that there's uh, a, a, a lower turnout. Correct. And, and then, you know, the third thing is that once you've uh, gotten to the stage where you've actually managed to get the ANC and EFF together below 50%, you're still not going to be able to effectively form a government without the ANC being part of it. Now, I can very easily see a scenario that's happening, and I agree with you that the ANC and the EFF are unlikely to form a coalition. Yes. But what you are likely to see is the scenario that we had in Johannesburg when Mashaba was here, where the EFF was not in a coalition with the DA, but at the same time, they enabled the voting yes. of Mashaba into power Correct. in exchange Correct. for getting access to yes. certain yes. levers of power. Yes. And that's a scenario that yes. they're likely to play out in the national parliament. Yes. So I'd just like you to absolutely. just address all of those Let's things try. and just you're, give you're, me a sense. You're, you're absolutely correct. First of all, um, the, the, the fact of the matter is that you are not going to succeed to get people enthusiastic 
by just being against something. You're not going to motivate people to say we are just against the ANC. People vote for something. And what you need to do is you need to put an alternative there, an alternative that will get people enthused and they will say, I can live with this. I want this. So part of this whole process is to say, here is an alternative program of government. This is what we're going to do. And we vote for that. This is how it can be. And, and I need people to just apply their imaginations. Just, just think. Just think how this country could be. And you mentioned those things that are happening in some of the countries in the Middle East. Just, how, just, look, just think for a minute how wonderful and beautiful things could be. So you need to put out there a vision that people will vote for. Secondly, the turnout, if we do not succeed, if we don't do this, the outcome of the, the turnout will decline. We know that. The whole attempt of this is to prevent that from happening, to get more people into the system to understand that what do you need to do? You need to participate. You need to vote. It's no use to say the politicians are stupid, the politicians are corrupt, government means nothing, etc., they don't have the power. The power they've got is given by the electorate, and you can make that decision. So we need to get people to get involved and to go out and vote. The third point you've made with regard to the fact that it happened in Johannesburg, part of this whole process, and I've been fortunate to uh, being invited, I've been to Germany to look at their coalitions, we've been to Denmark, etc. You find coalitions on two levels. You'll find coalitions on the executive level, people forming a government. But then you may have a different agreement on the legislative level where people, a party may not necessarily be part of government, but there's an agreement that when it comes to the budget, they will support the budget. They're not part of the government. They'll support the budget, but they want in return this or that happening in the budget. And that's exactly what happened in Johannesburg. So you might end up forming an executive and a government, but you'll have to have different arrangements to make governance possible in terms of uh, support that parties that may be outside of the coalition that come into that process and we have to see how that plays out and and I must be and I've said originally don't underestimate the ANC the ANC is not going to disappear overnight it's a it's a it's going to be there for many many years although their support is declining we have to deal with that as well so we, there's a lot of talk of um civil society yes including business and I've said on the show before that unfortunately we have a situation in South Africa where business continues to make money. Even in fact, in the chaos, they make more money. And a couple of weeks ago, probably three weeks, maybe a month ago now, we, we also had a, quite a lot of noise yes. about some 115 CEOs signing up to assist government mm -hmm. in delivering. And, and basically what that means is that all of these companies are willing to prop up a failing ANC yes. Yes. To, to be able to continue failing and they're Correct. going to try and yes. <laughs> make the difference yes. instead of allowing them to completely fail so that Correct. the electorate can decide for themselves that Absolutely. these guys. So what then do you say about getting those people on board? Yes. Will they even support something of this nature? Interesting. At the State of the Nation thing that where I delivered that speech here in, 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 in Santon, the audience consisted of business people, but not those top companies in South Africa. It was the middle business, if I can put it that way. Little Stufa. Yeah. <laughs> but do you remember the Ramaphoria that existed when, <laughs> when Ramaphosa became president? Everybody saw it. Now. It was in the studio. <laughs> now. No, it, was, it was never here for me, not with you. 
Bobby no. was ever enthusiastic and about that. And not with me either. No. <laughs> some, some people can see into the future, but there was this huge ramophoria. Okay. Yes. Then it was a... There was a new dawn. Man. I know, I remember. To Mamina. And then the It was thing. actually a color revolution, guys. It was funded by the US and it was meant to destabilize the country and it worked. <laughs> and, then, and then that, it collapsed, it disappeared. Now business is saying... Oh, Maybe and then the argument was, but but Cyril is not secure in his position. If he's re-elected next time, now he can do things. Still <laughs> sat there on his hands. Ex- exactly. So now they are trying. They're going to try the same recipe again. It will fail again. Mm-hmm. And business, big business, needs to come to the party. They need to get over the Rubicon to say to, to realize we need a new <laughs> South Africa that can put a new government, which the ANC is not going to be. So so a lot of pressure, and I think they will slowly come around. For the, many of them, it's unthinkable. Those companies supported the previous government before 94, all of them. Yeah, Same thing. They switched overnight. They switched overnight. And I, I, I can assure you, if we succeed with this, all of them will say, we've always been part of you. We've always supported this. They follow us, not leaders. Yes. Can I propose an alternative scenario? Please. <laughs> I think the best possible scenario for South Africa right now is if the ANC splits. Mm. I think that what opposition parties should be doing is to work behind the scenes <laughs> and to actually encourage a split within the ANC. Yes. And really, from my perspective, and, and, and trust me, there's still a massive amount of intellectual capital within the ANC. There's yes. a massive amount of patriotic South Africans sure. within the ANC True. who actually lost because of the corruption. Correct. And if there's an opportunity to persuade them, look, you guys split, form a new party, and then we will support you as part of a coalition when you get in, I think that's likely to accelerate the process of splitting yeah. before the elections next year, which is the crucial sure, part. Sure. And you, you pointed out KZN. Mm. I think KZN is actually crucial to the entire thing. I can yes. very readily see a scenario <laughs> where, um, Pumi, I'm, I'm sure you uh, agree with what's going to happen in KZN in terms of what do the you polarizing. Think? What do you think is going to happen? Wait, what, what do you think? co opting me into something I've never what, heard. What, what, what does Canton think is going to happen in KZN? Look, absolutely correct in terms of what Kone says, that the IFP has been steadily increasing its base. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, the, uh, the IFP historically has always been that cult of personality. Schenge has always held yeah. the, the IFP together. But at the same time... As he lies in hospital... Yes. With major failing health. He's in his 90s. I know, but but, you know, know, still. Well, well, cut the guy some slack. But but the fact is that the uh, the ANC in KZN is highly dissatisfied with the rest of the country. Right. You consider all of these people who have power bases, like, you know, the likes of Zueli and Kiza as, as, uh, you know, the single case in point. You also have the fact that there's a concerted effort on the part of Ramaphosa to ensure that Mashatila is not able to gain traction, which is why he's been calling out his media dogs. And I think that parties <laughs> such as yours and the DA, and you know, I think the DA more importantly, having behind the scenes conversations by identifying those people and to try to persuade them to make the break yes. is, is the best hope for the country. Because frankly, Kone, it's gonna I, I can't see the... Um, this, uh, United Democratic Front or United Democratic <laughs> Movement actually inspiring people enough. 
to be able to make that let, difference. Let, let's, Listen, let's the see. UTF no, can't see. even get it together uh, to have their own 40th celebrations. That's the UDF of the past. I know. I'm talking about the future. Now, you're right in terms of <coughs> what you say that the ANC is going to split. You're right. It's going to happen. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen before the election of 2024. It's going to happen after that. And then you may see a realignment where a, a, a group of that from the, within the ANC will couple up with the EFF, which is fine, but there will be a broad middle ground. Those ANC people yeah, that you've talked it, about. You see, it can't happen after the elections. Because then it's chaos. We, because we don't have floor crossing anymore. I know. So, <laughs> so because of that, if there is going to be a split, it has to come now. I before know. the elections, I know. because otherwise we've got five years of ANC. Well, I, I agree. That is ideal. But so how do we... <laughs> but it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, it's not going to split before I have then. One, one last question. Yes. If you think of all of your polling, and I know all the parties yes. do polling, if you think of what the voting patterns look like, what is the one thing that you think stops the electorate for broadly supporting sure. Freedom Front Plus? Sure. The Freedom Front Plus have been seen for many, many years as a party that represents a certain section of society only, which is not correct. White Afrikaners. Yes, that's not correct. The, I'm, I'm responsible in the Western Cape. The majority of my candidates in the last local government election were not white. Just on that note, uh, I don't mean to interrupt Pumi's question, but Sanele asks in the comments, what is the average age in the Freight Front Plus leadership and what is the percentage of young people, youth, in meaningful positions in the party? That goes with Pumi in this question. I would say youth would be 70%. If you look at our… Really? Yes, yes. There's a new generation of young people. I'm fortunate. I've been there for many, many years. Dr. Grunewald's been there for many, many years. We are two guys that comes from before 94 and until now. But obviously, that's how life works. We will be giving over to the new generation, obviously. But that doesn't mean that we are the only leadership in the party. Our members of parliament are young people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And at the moment, many, many young people are coming into the party from different sectors of society. Okay. So, finish the answer of what is, yes. is that, that one that, thing? That's, that's one aspect of that. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, people have reasons why they vote for different parties. There's loyalty. Um, people that traditionally will vote for the K, uh, for the IFP are not going to now suddenly vote for the Freedom Front Plus. I don't, I don't, it does, it's not important. It's not that... And that's why the coalition makes it possible. You can vote for the party of your choice as long as you know your party will participate in a broader cooperation of different political parties. And then what you do is, as a party, you take your ideals into that coalition. Yes, we've got the basic things that we all agree upon. But obviously, I've got my own agenda. I also want to further this, and the IFP wants to further that. So, and, and then you find compromises. And that's why coalitions are very good. I don't believe in any party that says, only us. We know. Only We are the only party for this or for that. It's nonsense. Collective wisdom is always much better, and coalitions force people to compromise. And by compromising, you get the best solutions because, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Let's do this. Let's, let's do that. Mm. But I honestly believe <coughs> the reason why people are opting out, I have opted out, they don't have hope. They don't think it's possible. They don't think it can be done. After 30 years in this current democratic situation with the ANC, People say they've given up. We need to ignite that fire in the heart of people. It can be done. And why do you think it can be done? Because it can. It's, it's reality. <laughs> we, it's we don't, reality. It's almost like we don't have an option. We, I mean, Pumi, you, you, you said just now, and I mean, you're, you're, that number's ringing in my head. The ANC got 11 million votes yeah. in the last election. Yeah. And yeah. there are 13 million people registered to vote, vote who did not. Correct. 
Correct. Yeah. And the further 17 million who are not even registered to vote. Yes. I th- I, let me say, if, why can it be done? Because uh, Gareth is correct. We don't have an alternative. If, if we allow things to deteriorate now, what what would country would look like? We'll all be living years? in, in what, absolute Is that squalor. really what we want? So I think people are finding themselves in the sense that they are pushing back. They say, but why? Well, we're not going to keep quiet anymore. If you look across the spectrum, civil society, everybody, let's look at social media. People are saying enough is enough. We want to have a change. in And you don't, you don't need all of those 13 million. You just no. need four or five of them. Exactly. To decide. Four exactly. or five million people decide they suddenly have had enough. They're hot full. And these are probably the same people who will actually mount a public service delivery protest. Correct. So they can go to vote as well. But there are 13 million who've already decided no. All yeah. you have to do is convince them yes. that you have mm. what yes. they are looking for. And and it, and I think what you're saying here yes. is that if they don't like the Freights Front Plus, they no. can come to one of these other parties. Vote for involved. the party of your choice, but know that you will be in that group of parties that takes South Africa forward. Mm. It's now or never. We've got, we've got I, I think the election well, will be in May. I'm very year. disappointed that we didn't start shouting at each other um, I'm, I'm very disappointed we didn't argue more vociferously that we didn't have uh, some major issue where you threw your teacup at me. This is very... I can still throw adult. my cup at you. <laughs> Not at me. Just oh, like, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that's what you wanted. All right, <laughs> well, yeah, Give the people what they yeah, want. I'm going to say that there was one point at which I was impressed by the Freedom Front Plus, which Tell was me. when there was that altercation in Parliament and the EFF stormed the, the presidency. And you had... Stiernhaisen standing up there like a spoiled brat saying that inviting law and order into the parliament was destroying the sanctity of parliament. And it was utter rubbish. When you have lawlessness taking place, you have to actually deal with that. And, you know, uh, props to the Freedom Front Plus for standing up and saying you need to sort this shit out. Exactly. And that's why people respect the party, because don't try to be playing popular things. Do the right thing. Stand up. This is what you stand for. Make a stand. So be it. Dr. Cornel Mulder, it's for a great pleasure to have you in the sh- uh, sh- studio and in our show this morning. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? what? It's great to have you in the studio. I'm tired. Great to have you in the studio. Good to have you on the show. And uh, we wish you luck with not only this uh, this this convention that you guys Drive are at now. I'm safely there to Kempton. Yeah, please. Yes, I'm going there and, right now. Yeah, and, and uh, good luck. I mean, listen, uh, it doesn't take everybody. It just takes enough people who care. Thank you very much. It was a privilege to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity. No, thank it's you. good to see you. All right. Thank you, everybody. That's the end of the Burning Platform for this morning. Canton, good to have you back. Um, I'll be back whenever Are you going to be dressing can. this smartly every week? If it means putting a jacket on is considered dressing yeah. smartly, I'm happy to, These raise, days it is. to raise the tone. You're of not the in dress a onesie, code. so <laughs> our standards are low. <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there an embargo against onesies in the no, studio? Never. Oh, okay. Never. But we, we'd prefer not. I mean, it's, it's just a preference, not an embargo. Listen, even when I was like at home in the hardest of lockdowns, up. I still can't dress up. No, I could no. have been in my onesie. When we put on the makeup, she brought the glamour. Thank God, because I don't. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week, but we'll also see you tomorrow morning for another show. Have an excellent day. Cheers. Bye-bye.